by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the N17 Women podcast. This is Abby speaking, and I have the lovely job of hosting the pod today. As usual, I'm here with Rachel of Spurs Women Blog. Rachel, how was your weekend? Well, I had a lovely swim outdoors on Sunday. Yeah, very relaxing. That's great. That's really great. And and I'm also here with Caroline of Spurs Across the Pond. Did you do anything fun this weekend, Caroline? Yeah, I did. Um, I went to see my local USL championship team clinch their playoff berth. Uh, so that's like the English championship, but with less prestige. Amazing. I love it when the football is good. I absolutely love that. Uh, and I'm sure the rest of you do too. And um, yeah, finally, I'm here with Sean of Proud Lily Whites. How did your weekend go, Sean? Yeah, yeah. I've got to spend, got to see my nephew start his football season finally. He's had a couple of full starts for various reasons. Didn't go the way he hoped, but um, uh, good to see him playing again. And then got to do some hospital radio on Sunday. So I kept myself busy. Nice. That that's great. Sounds like a great weekend. So um yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, we were originally thinking about recording this podcast on Sunday and just getting it over with, but Saturday night rolled around and I was like, guys, I don't think I could do this tomorrow. I am just not emotionally prepared. And I think a lot of us have been avoiding thinking about this in our own ways, but it's time. The time is here. We gotta talk about it. In addition to all our lovely weekends, there was a um, there was a football game this Saturday. Spurs women faced Arsenal women in front of a record-breaking crowd at the Emirates, and it didn't go so well. There's um, a lot to hash out about that, so I think we're kind of just going to run through it in chronological order, and we're going to get through it, and we're going to have a lot of feelings, but it's going to be fine. All right, let's take it all the way back to Friday to Saturday morning. How were y'all feeling before the game? Uh, you know, uh, I was generally of the kind of same as last season. Let's just keep the deficit down. If we lost by a couple of goals, I was thinking that that would be all right. Maybe we'll do more. And how amazing, given the circumstances of it, if we did do more, would it be? Given that Arsenal, uh, you know, we got a draw with them once last season, albeit at our end. So I wasn't expecting a lot, but there was kind of simmerings of maybe something could happen but then after the Leicester game I think there was more of a kind of a yeah no not yet yeah I think similarly I was I was happy that we're going to get it over with and I was saying uh, that we don't have to do this again this season hopefully so long as we don't face Arsenal in a cup game I live quite close to the Emirates I know a lot of Arsenal fans so for me this is an especially painful thing to get through um so I was avoiding my I knew I was going to probably avoid talking to them after the game so I arranged to meet lots of people I knew who were Arsenal fans before the game so that I wouldn't have to go to what I thought might be painful experiences after the game but like Sean I had that hope that maybe it wouldn't be so bad maybe we'd find something and definitely the hope that we would you know play effectively in limiting their goal scoring. Yeah I'm I'm not really a religious person but I found myself sort of begging the universe 
to give us a result in this game. (laughs) And obviously it didn't work. Usually I'd be feeling, you know, like, Hey, anything can happen. Football's a wild sport. But after the first game, I was not feeling as confident that we could get anything out of it, especially knowing that, you know, Nikola Karczewska was probably not going to be able to start. Just wasn't feeling great about it. Yeah, I was kind of in a similar boat. I like come to terms with the fact that there wasn't probably going to be anything in the game for us. And so I'd kind of just been reduced to this like numb curiosity. It's like, well, maybe we'll see something. I don't know. So yeah, then game time rolls around and we'd heard beforehand that something like 55,000 tickets had been sold. So we were expecting a record-breaking crowd. And um, Sean and Rachel, you actually attended the game, right? Um, So I wanted to hear a bit from you about what it was like to be in the stadium. My nephew, I took my nephew with me um, because he he wanted to come last season to, to experience the Emirates. We like to go to the big stadia to test them out and so he can do his stadia rating and as far as he was concerned from an atmosphere point of view it wasn't very good I mean it was a women's game so it was but I do have to say I thought the Arsenal fans were quite quiet for most of the game there were a couple of moments when they piped up a little bit um and started a, a little bit stand up if you hate Tottenham and things like that but beyond that um, it was it was it was relatively quiet. I thought. I mean, again, women's game, so it sometimes is, but there wasn't kind of that constant noise that there might have been. Um, and I mean, from the from the perspective, he was a little bit worried because he knows that North London derbies are normally a heated affair. He did ask me a couple of times about, "Well, we're going to be all right?" And I was like, "Yes, it's a women's game. We're going to be fine." Despite there being fifty five thousand, and it absolutely was. You know, we were walking around the Emirates to get to our seats in, in and amongst you know thousands of Arsenal fans and no sign of a problem anywhere so from that perspective it was fine some not so great Spurs fans who were clearly there at a women's game for the first time chanting some things that we wouldn't really like them to be chanting but um you're going to get that a little bit at these games I think where people try and kind of come out of the woodwork and get to the Emirates for the first time or, or whatever but um there was a good number of Spurs fans I thought you know it was pretty full the away end which was nice to see after the last time round not having been so so um yeah, muted, but um, but still good, I thought. It was, you know, not aggressive in any way. It was fine walking through wearing a Spurs shirt. Um, I don't think anybody even shouted anything, especially at me, which they had the right to do if they wanted. It wasn't very noisy. Yeah, the biggest cheers I remember were when Mead got substituted and she then did a sort of slow walk around the pitch on her way to the um, dugout. And she was getting cheers and sort of standing ovations as she went, which probably reflected her England position as much as it did her Arsenal um, or her game. I mean, she scored, we'll get onto that, but I don't think that was necessarily what the ovations were for. Yeah, that's interesting. I had also heard from some people I knew who were there that it was a pretty quiet affair and that there was, um, you know, chanting from the away section it's interesting because like the people I know who went who don't follow Spurs women as closely were all like, yeah, that was a great experience. And I was like, oh, that's not really how I felt about it. But I'm <laughs> glad you had a good time. Fine. Uh, yeah. No, I was going to say the club tweeted out afterwards, like, you know, it's great to be part of history. And I'm like, ah, it's kind of OK to be part of history. I'm glad there's lots of people going to women's football. <laughs> I could have skipped it. I'm not sure I really want to celebrate Arsenal beating us 4-0. Oh, yeah, that's exactly how I'm feeling. Like, basically, every time 
I uh, see something like that coming from our players or, or other fans or the club itself. Uh, yeah. So we got to do it. Let, let's try to tackle, well, at least the setup to that uh, 90 minutes of football that happened. Uh, I want to talk about the lineup because it was a little – it was a little weird. Um, so we actually saw Becky Spencer and goal ahead of a back four, which were two things I was not expecting at least because last season we tended to play with Tinny and goal ahead of a back three uh, for the big games. So that was a bit of a change. And moving down the fields, we had Shalina and Molly as center backs, Ash at left back and Amy Turner as the right back. We saw Evelina as sort of the deepest lying midfielder with Drew Spence and Cho Sohyun ahead of her. And then we saw a front three of Celine Bizet, Kaya Simon, and Jess Naz. So what did you all make of that? I was surprised uh, to see us reverting to the back four, not just because it's different from how we played in big games in the past, but also because I feel like in preseason and in our first game, we were predominantly playing with a back three. So I don't know. It just kind of felt strange to make a change like that for such an important game. And I, Amy Turner is not a right back. Like she's not, it just hasn't worked out anytime we've seen her playing there. And I think it was in full evidence in this game because Arsenal were targeting our right flank. Which was also true because Ash was on the left and Ash was as ever. Um, Well, that's fair. (laughs) Exception of, of, you know, diving in all over the shop and making lots of great tackles. And even from the other end of the pitch, we could see that she was doing what Ash does. I mean, she wasn't getting forward because they we were doing so much defending, but in that defending role, she was by far the best defender. And I think that's one of the reasons a, yeah, a strong left back, a weak right mm-hmm. back, kind of obvious where they're going to go. I mean, I had so many questions about the lineup when I saw it, even from the goalkeeper, like in the past, as Abby said, we tended to see not just um, Tinny sometimes starting with a back three, but we actually saw the alternation between Becky and Tinny. And so I thought, oh, well, this was going to be a Tinny start. Um, I also thought it was going to be more of a shot stopping kind of game. And I thought maybe that one would suit Tinny. Becky's great at that too, but she's more of a sort of playing out from the back goalkeeper, which is where her strengths are. So I was surprised about the goalkeeper. I was, I'm happy to have a back four. I've actually been kind of wanting us to go back to that. I think some of the better games we played, especially through the start of last season, we were back four, but not with Amy Turner there. And I kind of wonder if Rianne had did a deal with Amy when she came to the club, which was like, you're going to start every game, despite the fact that we've already got two centre-backs, because I don't really understand why we are starting with three centre-backs every single game, especially after last game where Nesmita Ayel played really well as a full-back. And, or, well, she was more of a wing-back last game, but she is a sort of full-back slash wing-back. And so I just mm-hmm. didn't understand why Amy Turner is starting. It's not that she's not a good player, but... The three of them have not meshed in any game that we've seen them play. So throughout the game, Amy was coming inside of Molly and it just felt like there was then when there was no one wide and then other people were chasing. It just seemed like chaos a lot of the time. And then I was surprised there was no Angerad, who probably was our best player in preseason. And I questioned how well she played with Drew last week, but I would have kept her um, because she was, you know, she has that... um, 
ability to protect the defense, which was going to be critical in this game. And we know that that is not Drew's strength. She isn't a consistent tackler. She's not a consistent presser. She has amazing ball control skills, but that wasn't necessarily going to be what was needed so much this game, where it was going to be off the ball stuff that was going to be as important. I didn't understand that. I kind of understood having Cho in there. She is like a bit of a sort of aggressive player sometimes. She hasn't got very good ball control though, on the other hand. So she was giving, you know, when she was winning the ball, it wasn't necessarily going anywhere. I think the only players I was sort of unsurprised with was Jess. Um, happy to see her. Um, made sense. Ash made sense. You know, Molly mm-hmm. and Shalina, I understood why they were there. And I think up the front, really disappointed not to see Nikki. Just felt like, again, going, well, we know we're going to go back to that. But And maybe it is illness. Maybe it's something else. But yeah, not having that target player. I think Kaya did a decent job. I mean, she hasn't always been my favourite player, but she at least in the previous game and the last preseason, ran a lot. So I could see the logic of putting her in there as part of a press. But I know we're going to come on to this and I'm not sure how the press works. Sorry, I just feel like I was just like, (laughs) when I saw the lineup, it was just like, what the hell is going on? So many questions. (laughs) No, I think we all all looked at it and went 4-4-2, (laughs) What to go? Because it wasn't kind of what we were expecting. As you say, I was expecting Tinny and Gold because of the rotation and that didn't come through. And I don't think Becky had a good game. We'll come on to that. And yeah, Amy Turner at right back. I think, I, I wonder if maybe, well, one, Rianne clearly doesn't feel that Asmita is, has got the experience yet. But two, I wonder if she thinks she's better going forward than she is defending and was trying to try and have somebody with more experience in defence, but clearly didn't work, I don't think. I, and I was surprised by Cho's inclusion because she I've never quite felt like she's clicked in our midfield yet. I don't quite feel like whenever she's played, she's had moments where she's looked good, but she's not been consistently good. Then against Arsenal, you need somebody who's going to be consistently good. And as you say, I would have thought James would have been a better choice there. Moving Evelina from (laughs) right up the top to defensive midfielder in the space of a week. Yeah, so there were a lot of questions. I was pleased to see Celine getting a start. um, And I thought Mm -hmm. she had moments where she looked... Um, where she looked good and Jess again had moments where she was showing the, how much stronger she looks this season um, but again she was taken off early she doesn't seem to get full games so yeah we were all a bit not sure just looking at that lineup yeah and like especially watching how the game played out I think we'll probably talk about this more later but like Ismita was pretty good when she came on she had some defensive moments like she had some big blocks so it kind of makes me question even more why we aren't seeing her starting in games like that because I did feel like she was stronger in defense than I expected her to be any final thoughts on the lineup speaking about Ismita I do think that she's at the level now where I think she should be considered a regular starter. I don't, I don't have any doubts about her personally. And I think she's proven herself enough that, that she should be earning those starts. So that was pretty baffling to me. And on show, I don't think she had the best game, but she at least was showing some metal and aggression, you know, which is what you kind of want to see in a Derby. And I feel like she and Ash were the only two players who were really bringing that kind of energy that was required for the occasion. So I will give her that. (laughs) I mean, I think she did have her best game last season, probably against Chelsea away. I feel like she does do something that is required in these kinds of big games, London derbies, Mm -hmm. which is that aggression, that harrying of players. And 
it serves a purpose. It it's just isn't going to be your offensive threat. Um, and so you need somebody else there. I, yeah, I totally forgot. I mean, Celine was a surprise, but not an unpleasant one to be starting. I didn't think she was going to start. I thought she did okay. But I think she needs to, like, we saw her in one of the preseason games combining really well with Nikki. And I think it's about who she combines well with. So again, we can get mm-hmm. onto that. But I, it felt like the front, front front three were all decent, but they didn't quite make sense together. Yeah, yeah, that, that just about sums up my thoughts on that as well. So yeah, let's get into it. We're already starting to get into it. So right off the bat, game starts, Arsenal come out swinging and not even five minutes goes by and, and Kim Little gets away from Drew Spence and Cho Sohyun and plays Beth Mead straight into our box. Her first shot is blocked, but she puts the second one away. Not a great start, at least. And at least from my perspective, it didn't get much better. So let's talk about the first half. What are some of the things you guys noticed? Well, we just weren't clearing the ball very well. I mean, we were... We were playing kind of the way that we always play in these games, which seems to be first half, let's sit back, let's stay in our own half. If we get the opportunity to counter, let's do that. But let's worry about attacking in the second half was what my feeling was, was my feeling was what they were going for. And that has traditionally been the way. But I was so frustrated by that because those of us who watched Austria in the Euros know that you put pressure on Zinsberger. Mm-hmm. She is vulnerable if you put pressure on her when she's got the ball and we maybe two or three times in the game we got anywhere near the box when they had possession the rest of the time we were staying in our own half letting them kick the ball around in their across their back line and I was just you've seen the Euros you know that there is vulnerability there against this goalkeeper we should have been taking it out more we should have been playing the ball to her more and we should have been putting a bit more pressure on because you know we could have shot them with that and we just sat back we did what we always do and kind of went in that first half and went we'll leave it to the second half if, if we can if we can still be in it in the first half then that's enough yeah and if I could just interject a quick relevant stat there um, we actually didn't have a touch in Arsenal's box until the 75th minute so that just goes to show you how much we were not putting the pressure on Sinsberger there like absolute missed opportunity it it is a missed opportunity because if you looked at our bench which was extremely sparse for this match there wasn't going to be much possibility of any sort of second half surge from Spurs you know we we had a few strong players on the bench but you know Rianne's options were kind of limited when it came to making any sort of like wholesale tactical change just because we were missing some players yeah, I feel like if we were going to get anything out of this, you know, a result out of this match, even just a draw, we would have had to have come out stronger than we did. That was frustrating to see us sort of sitting back, not not even defending well doing so. Yeah, so many of those blocks that we got, you know, we you blocked one ball, but it just went straight back to an Arsenal player. Um, mm-hmm. So many times that happened for goals and, and for chances. Um, we, you know, we've got to be clearing our lines better. You, if you if you if you've got a clearance to make either boot it out of play or just boot it up the field if you can't find a white shirt to pass it to don't just kind of knock it a little way and hope yeah it felt like the only times where I had those sort of moments of oh something might be happening it was either Jess or um and she would she was making some decent interceptions but she often then either wasn't able to 
follow up to follow them up. So Arsenal would then get the second pass or she just had no one to pass to. And so she would stand there and then eventually pass back and it would get all bogged down. And the other side, you had Celine, who was sometimes, you know, trying to make these runs, but also either getting stuck or I, I can't even remember if her first shot was in the first half. I feel like it was, or were they both in the second half? She did have two shots that were kind of like optimistic shots um, partly because there wasn't anyone there, although the second time there was somebody there um, that she could have passed it to. She was the only one who seemed to be actually taking the shots. And like for that, I I wanted to be frustrated with her for taking that second one when Jess was like right there on the wing. But I couldn't really be because literally nobody else was shooting. And that was um, really interesting. And I think goes to your point about it's about who Celine combines with. And I just felt like Arsenal were overwhelming us all over the pitch. Like when we weren't clearing our lines, often we'd like get the ball in the corner and then against other teams, you might've seen us like play out from the corner and make a quick break, but they were just really pushing us back into that corner and we couldn't get out of it. And it was like, it was not pretty. It was not fun. It felt like when we were on attack, there were three Arsenal players ready to close us down. And when they were on attack, it felt like there were 10 more of them than there were us. It was like, good job of them tactically working to overload us at all times. It was kind of mysterious to me how it was actually happening. And I just wish we'd had something better to deal with that than what we had. But the, the worrying thing is it feels like this is the second week where there's where we've been overloaded. You know, yeah. Against Leicester, we felt like that as well. We felt like there were just more of them in the in the centre of the park than there were of us, and for that to be the case two weeks in a row against two very different sides, against you know a team that are going to be fighting for the for the title and a team who are going to be fighting to stay in the league, you shouldn't be having that same problem against those two sides. The thing that's concerning me is that. Whereas last season, I think our, our fitness and conditioning was a really big asset to Spurs. Like that would keep us in games when, uh, you know, we needed to make a late comeback or a late push this season. We just haven't seen that so far. It seems like our players are constantly getting beat to balls. They're too slow to make their run to even start making their runs. So I don't know. Something's got to change with that too. I think. Yeah. And like for all the aggression Cho showed, I did feel like there were moments where she was just getting beat to the ball because she wasn't fast enough. Same with Drew. Mm -hmm. And like, I know I thought Kyle was fine, but I watched her pass the ball out of bounds or let it dribble out of bounds three times. And Mm -hmm. that in like, in the amount of time she played and I, nobody else sets the ball out of bounds that much. And it's like, every time I watch her and it's like, we can't be giving up possession like this. It happens in the middle of the pitch a lot and it just obviously doesn't roll out of bounds because it's in the middle of the pitch and not on the wing. But like it, it, it just can't be happening. It leaves us so vulnerable. We need to be better in possession. No, I mean, I totally agree with you, especially about the lack of pace of both Drew and Cho. It was just so noticeable. And again, this is where I don't understand why we didn't start James. I just think that she... She is faster. She's also used to playing in a team that has to fight. I mean, I don't know to what extent Drew, because she's played at Chelsea for so long, is just used to having being in a team that has a lot of possession that is on the front foot most of the time. Obviously, she plays for Jamaica as well, but she's only had a few games for Jamaica. Whereas Sangarad has played for 
a wider variety of teams who have different and you know she plays for Wales as her national team which is also all about the sort of passion and the running we also missed you know we missed Rachel didn't we we missed Rhea it really felt like we missed Mava like the players who did mm-hmm. who controlled the center of midfield last season didn't feel like they'd been adequately replaced when we watched this game yeah Mava I think was a real noticeable absence since just in terms of you know getting rid of the ball just there was just too much of half-hearted passes or or clearances and you can't do that against Arsenal you know they're going to punish you the the goal that Evelina scored a lot of people blamed Evelina for for me Becky shouldn't be making that playing that ball at that point she was nowhere near being on her ready for that she the ball wasn't good enough for Evelina and so Evelina loses and Becky's on the back foot because she's not anywhere near where she needs to be in terms of in her goal you know why are we making those silly mistakes? These are experienced players who should be, you know, knowing that against Arsenal, you've got to be on it the whole time. And they just weren't. And Evelina receiving yeah. it when she was man-to-man marking Miedemar for some of that game, which meant that Miedemar was often very close to her. Whereas Molly was like halfway, you know, was another 10, 20 yards up the pitch at that point, which again, it's just that thing of like not taking the time perhaps to reset and it wasn't like they were trying to play it out fast and get it down the pitch fast because they didn't really try to do that at all. So there wasn't any rush. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing about Evelina in that role. Like, she's a fine passer. She really is. And if you're going to have her dropping deep to play out the back, the problem with Evelina as a passer is that she kind of only passes like one range and like one tempo. Like she's, they're good passes, but they're all like, she receives the ball. She plays a nice pass. Like they're always in that sort of like medium speed tempo. She's just not as dynamic of a passer as Mabel was. And she like brings a lot to the field in terms of ball carrying, but like, that's not really what you want right in front of our goal against Arsenal. So I was sort of looking at Evelina playing the Mava role going like, okay, that just a different player probably wouldn't happen. Wouldn't have happened if like Mava was in midfield there. And yeah, the pass to her wasn't good. I keep going back and forth on this. The first time I watched it, I was like, that was a horrible mistake from Evelina. Then I saw it from a different angle and I was like, that was a horrible pass from Becky. Then I watched it again and I was like, eh, I don't know. They're kind of both like what was happening there. Like it's the a- whole team was just slow. Like, it's just a systemic breakdown of the back line, really, you know. Well, as you say, just, Evelina was the furthest back at that point, and she was supposed to be playing defensive midfielder. Right, Amy, like, why is Amy she there? Back pedaling, <laughs> but what, where, were the, where were the rest of the defence, if that was mm-hmm. where you were playing it? And why was Becky taking that ball so far out with the rest of the defence so far up the field? Yeah, and I, I, think- wondered, I saw Evelina drop like that a few times, so I kind of wondered if that was a tactical instruction that just really didn't come off. Yeah, but I kind of feel know. like James would have been a little more calm under pressure. Because um, I, I think we saw that a little bit from her in preseason that she's really good at controlling the ball in a tight space and reacting quickly. So, yeah. and she has again, a better would have liked to see her start. She has a <laughs> yeah. better range of passing as well. Exactly. I think, especially, I yeah. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to agree with you. Like, I think you're absolutely right, especially when you're trying to break the lines and you're having so little success you do need someone whose passing is more varied so that you can surprise Mm -hmm. Arsenal and they can't just keep doing the same thing and I always say this about Evelina like one of the good things about her is that she can run forever and so if you're not playing her as an eight why are you even playing her like I always say her passing is adequate like 
that's all it is. Like there's other great things about her. And it just makes me think that like, I've been hearing a lot that, you know, we haven't seen the best of Evelina for months now. And I wonder how much of that is down to losing Rhea, to losing Maeva, to having her have to fill in in these roles that she's just not the player for. And I really hope that we can find a way to make her shine because she does have a lot of good qualities. We're just Mm -hmm. not using them. Talking about Rhea and also Kit, you know, we've said that we replaced players who left in the transfer window, but we have to remember that Rhea and Kit are still going to be out for several months, or at least, you know, I think Rhea more so than Kit, but we just don't have a replacement for them right now until, you know, as a stopgap until they return. So again, it comes down to if things aren't working in the midfield, we just don't have a whole lot of options to switch things up. And again, uh, and, you know, Harrop got injured late on. In, yes. Uh, in, but we had time to find something to sort that problem. And that is causing us a real problem at the moment. Mm-hmm. Seems to me in defence that we haven't got carers there that we can rely on who can play centre-back or full-back, depending on where we want her to play and has that kind of experience and that Harry and that, and and the you know and the ability to be stood on that pitch shouting instructions at their at her teammates. Um, yeah. We don't have anybody who's come in to replace her. We don't, and we don't, as always with Spurs, which is one of our key complaints. We don't have any actual information from the club about when she's likely to be back or why she's out. So all we know is what we've ascertained from talking to players and things. So we really still need the club providing us with that information. But it looks at the moment like she's not on the grass at any point she's still in the stands watching rather than watching with the team and I just it just worries me that our that our, we, we've done well in replacing the players who've left but replacing the players who are still with us but are not able to play at the moment we haven't done enough if you look at the game against Arsenal last year and the games against Chelsea Harris was really big in the the two away games like her contribution yes. was massive and she was one of our strongest players. She scored in the away game at Chelsea because she has that sort of determination as well as having the skills on the ball that she does kind of get everybody going. Like you were saying, Sean, she tells she's like that general telling everybody what they should be doing. And we really need that. Yeah, that just makes me way more confident in my pet theory that our issues with set pieces are actually because Karis is out. Because like she missed a few games last year and I need to go back and check to see whether they were the ones we conceded set pieces in, but I think it's gotten worse. And I'll tell you why, because of that organization she brings, I feel like she brought something to that. And the fact that she scored such a smart set piece against Chelsea makes me think that she like has thoughts and ideas about set pieces that are simply missing right now and like we always had a problem with set pieces so I'm not saying it's entirely down to her absence but I wonder whether like there's a little defensive leadership that's missing from there it might be you're right I mean I haven't looked at the numbers either I just remember that in the game where she scored one we also were scored against a set piece so I know Mm, for a fact that at least in that one game there were set pieces in both directions but I just wonder like you know, Spurs men's team have a set piece expert who's come and has transformed our set pieces and we're now mm-hmm. scoring set pieces and defending them better. I'm like, couldn't he just come and work with the women's team for a week? We really, well, really need it. 
someone had asked me that the other day, if he was working with the team and, you know, I said, honestly, I have no idea, but he had heard that Gianni Vio is working with one of the youth teams at least. So yes, like spread the love, please. (laughs) I will personally start a GoFundMe to pay for him to do that. (laughs) (laughs) seriously all right we'll come on to set pieces a little more in a minute because I think there's a lot more to talk about there but uh let's wrap up the first half uh were there any positives to take away from it (laughs) I mean Ash made some great tackles true Uh, Ash as always I mean it was only two I mean and it was it was only one for most of the first half which wasn't you know if we'd gone at one nil it would have been a different mm-hmm. thing at halftime, I think. We would have been feeling more positive from that perspective of there's, there is somewhere to go. Um, but when that second one went in, that kind of kiboshed that. But still, you know, we've had worse first halves against Arsenal. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good one. Positives. Ash was good and we've had worse first halves against Arsenal. All right, <laughs> so... <laughs> Moving on to the second half, uh, we didn't make any substitutions at halftime. There were just a few minor tactical t- tweaks, like pretty sure I saw Celine come over to a wing back sort of area, though that didn't necessarily last for the full half, but otherwise not much change. So if you were in Ryan Skinner's shoes, would you have made any substitutions? I know there were limited options, but if you could have, what would they have been? Well, I would have brought James on much sooner because um, I think Drew was just getting pushed over, ran around, you know, any sort of uh, verb that you want to use to describe that in the midfield. She just was not working out. And I think James, she would have brought a little more control, at least to the game and maybe helped us to slow down the pace a bit and, you know, try to get, get a foot in the game that way by bringing the tempo down. So it wasn't just constant onslaught from Arsenal, you know? Yeah. I'm also, and also as as Mita, I had brought on maybe four Amy. Like I really am not happy with the three of them together. So I just I just feel like a back four where everyone kind of knows what they're doing would have worked. All of those four players have played with each other in those roles in games where we've been decent. Um obviously I'd have loved to see Nikki earlier, especially to have played alongside Salim for a little bit longer. I don't know what her fitness is, so I don't know if there was a reason to wait. Yeah, I mean, I think this, we certainly needed to have more running up front. We, we needed, I mean, tactically to put pressure on Zinsberger, to put pressure on, you know, just, just to make it look like we were trying to score a goal rather than sit back in our own half and not concede anymore. Because um, even towards the end in the second half, I didn't really feel like we were going, you know, when you're 4-0 down, 3-4-0 down, you've not got much to lose from the point of view of, let's let's go for it a little bit more let's try and put some pressure on them a little bit um and we didn't and whether that was because we were tired or whether that was because our heads dropped or whether that was because we were sticking to the game plan of let's concede as few as we can it just it did the whole thing just seemed not quite right to me I mean Rianne said after the game we weren't ourselves we didn't play the way that we know we can and that's certainly true, I think. Um, I think this whole season, we, I, I, albeit only two games, but then with pre-season as well, we, we've sat here watching the team feeling like that's not the Spurs we watched last season. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up for me. Um, yeah, so we did eventually see some substitutions in the second half and 
with those, we saw some new faces and some of those players that we we'd wish we could have seen at halftime. So at around 60 minutes, we saw Nicola Angerod and Ramona Putzelberger appear as substitutes. Curious what you thought about those three. Well, it was quite hard to tell because it was only a few minutes after they came on and Arsenal scored from a set piece. And then they made three substitutions of their own. And so there was quite a lot of churn. And it was clear that at that point, Arsenal were unfortunately able to rest some of their star players so that they could have the energy to play Ajax in the um, Champions League this week, which is, again, not something I wanted to allow them to do. Um, But because of those substitutions, well, it was hard to tell which substitutions it was that were producing what seemed like a slightly more balanced game at that point. Um, Spurs did seem to have a little bit more of the ball, got up to the Spurs end a few times, but you know, nothing massively came of it. Yeah, I do think like I kept going back and forth on whether Nicola actually improved the press by heading it off more. And I have ultimately arrived at, yes, I think she did. Uh, Because I was looking and trying to decide whether Arsenal had to stop trying. But the thing that really convinced me that they actually were having trouble passing out of the back was that they were forced to go long once or twice after she came on. And that did not line up with the rest of their game plan. Uh, Maybe it was just that they'd got brought new players on. But I do like to think that like those players came on and improved the press a bit, if not anything else. And obviously there's still a lot more I would have liked to see, but maybe a small positive there. Did you notice, maybe, I mean, I agree with you that the press seemed to be working a little bit better, but it also, it was only sometimes being triggered. And then it also felt like it was being triggered often just on one side and Arsenal could escape it by just playing to the other side. And I can't actually remember now which players it were that would might have been the ones that should have been coming forward on that side. But it felt like it was relatively easy to get out of still. So it was a kind of, you know, a one-sided press yeah. rather than a full press across the whole front. I will say there were probably only about 15 minutes where I was like, wow, yeah, that press looks good. I'd need to go back and watch the rest of it to know for sure what was happening there. But I wonder if yeah. um, that may have been... Rachel, that you're thinking of like before Jess was subbed off? Because I think we've seen, you know, that she she just hasn't had the legs for a full 90. So it could be that she was not contributing as much from her side towards the end of her shift. That is possible. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I could see <laughs> that being the case. I think you might be right because I think the good pressing period I was thinking of was actually mm-hmm. after Arsenal's fourth goal. Um, Mm -hmm. which is why I was so much like oh did we just take our foot off the gas or like maybe right before it I'm not really sure so in the end it didn't really matter how we played in the second half because we conceded two more easily preventable goals from set pieces which we kind of already mentioned but we got to talk about it more so on the first Amy Turner and Evelina kind of just watched Rafaela Souza get up for a header and then on the second Amy Turner again just missed Miedema running in behind her for a free header so that one was a short corner so it was also like half the team didn't step to the ball before it was crossed but yeah they're they're bad they have been bad since about some point in the last year uh and despite my theories about it being Kara's hair up like there's clearly something else going on there so this has clearly become a thing for us we literally cannot stop conceding goals from set pieces I think over half of our recent goals have been set pieces. I 
forgot to check that number, but it's around the half point halfway mark. Uh, it's like we just sit there and watch players running around us, not going up for balls. So I really can't tell much more than that because the camera angles are usually quite bad on whatever we're watching on. Uh, but what do you all think? What's going on with our set pieces? What's wrong there? Everything. <laughs> what do you say the number that sums it up <laughs> the number is, i mean by the by the second half whenever there was a corner we were like oh lord here we go again it just and as you say it's not it, it feels like positioning isn't right we're not getting in the right positions um around players like when you say amy and evelina were both kind of stood there watching you know they were stood next to each other uh, and you you know talk to each other one of you's going up for it come on one of you's got to make a try for that you know I just it just feels like they're not the communication isn't there in the defense which is a problem throughout I think um this as we've already mentioned the new you know the new three haven't found a way to work together well yet Molly who last season was so consistent is not looking consistent this season Amy certainly isn't she's got her her WSL legs back yeah and and Shalina you know it's Shalina, you know, she does what she does. She does some things well and she does other things not so well. Obviously, we know that Ash is one shining light in the defence who always seems to, whenever she can, get there, but she can't do everything. Um, so I think communication needs to be sorted out. And Shalina is the captain of the team. She, you know, she should be taking a lead on that. She should be making sure that everybody knows where they need to be. Or Becky in goal needs to be being very clear about where she wants people there's some communication not happening and set pieces it's going to show most because obviously that's where teams can be organized and have that planning there's a lack of desire I think just it just feels like sometimes they're stood they're kind of going somebody else will get that then will they and you're like no you know talk to each other be the one wanting to get there be the one you know have that ash energy which is what you know we go on about Ash, but there's something about that desire that she has that is clear every game she plays. She wants to be the one making the challenge. She wants to be getting in there. She doesn't want the ball to cross that line. And you don't feel that same desire from the rest of the defence at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things is if we sit back like we did in this game, we are going to concede a lot of set pieces. And so one of the problems is there are quite a lot of set pieces from which teams can score. And if we are not taking the ball out of their half more often, we are going to be at risk because we actually defended quite a lot of corners in that 14. game. Because 14 corners. Yeah, 14 corners. So many. And they also had some. Yeah. So, I mean, so I would say a big part of our set piece problem is there are too many set pieces that we are conceding. And that is because we are playing in such a defensive way. We're sitting so far back. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, it's a choice. We, and there's, I can understand the motivation to try and, as Sean said, you know, start off the game like that, but you have to be a bit more aggressive because otherwise it's bad for your defense as well. Well, and in, in games last season against the top teams where we did have more narrow results, I mean, those were games where we were at least attempting to take the game to them. Yeah. And we just didn't see that at all in this match. But I think as far as set pieces go, I think we need to even be more specific and just say that conceding from headers is our biggest issue because we saw that come up in games last season too, where it was crucial to results like the West Ham game, um, even losing the home North London Derby because of a meet header again. (laughs) 
So yeah, that, I think yeah. that has to be the focus on improving our set pieces there. We are across. Point the out, we didn't lose. We didn't lose because of the middle ahead of us. We drew. I, what I meant to say was we lost the chance to win. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yes. Because you're right. No, yeah. Oh, that's good. No. Yeah. We were, we were upset at, at yeah. coming away with a draw at the end of that game. Because Very of the upset. <laughs> and the contrast between that and this game, albeit being at, at, at different grounds, but the contrast between those two games is so huge um, mm-hmm. that I think that is one of the things that makes us so despondent after this game because yeah. we're getting there we are getting there we are you know not not even just reducing the deficit with these teams we are getting points off these teams and then we go and do this mm-hmm. again and like I mean, one I of can't those amazing comparisons for me is not with the draw last fall but actually with the three nothing loss in the spring because we played that game after having played Chelsea twice in a week it was at the end of a horrible run we had tons of players out with COVID and or not out with COVID but we just had a COVID outbreak and we'd had tons of players out with injuries and it was still better than this game which is the second game in the season and it was like it was worse than like the bad end of our season last year so for me that's the damning comparison yeah I agree I mean we lost by we didn't have a four goal margin in any games last season so this was a worse mm-hmm. defeat than we had last season and we also just played badly I mean there wasn't a moment it wasn't like a moment of inspiration where you could just be like oh you know that gives me right. hope it really was and I'm you know really honorable exception Ash did some work but she didn't even have the chance to go forward very much because she was doing so much defensive work she mm-hmm. now tops the WSL league in both tackles and interceptions. <laughs> but Classic. So she's doing Silver great linings. work, but it's not enough. Well, I actually have another interesting bit, uh, like sort of along these lines that I wanted to ask you guys about. So um, Arsenal only had four shots on target all game, uh, and it was the four goals they scored. I will say that even though they're, they only accumulated about 1.4 expected goals. I think that was more a factor of like expected goals is not a very good metric for single games. Uh, But I really do want to talk about the fact that they only had four shots on target and it was the four that went in. What do you guys think about that? What does that tell us, if anything? Can we give Tinny a go? Um, (laughs) I I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, your keeper's got four shots to save and doesn't. I mean, I think there was some where she was unsighted because of defense positions mm-hmm. and things. Um, so you know, it's not all on Becky, obviously, but obviously, towards the end, we saw some lackadaisical stuff from Becky in terms of you know, we we always praise her distribution, and I don't think that was on point this game at all. And we, we'd said against Leicester that we didn't feel she was on top of her distribution as she always as she usually is. So I, I don't know what's going on there, but I just didn't feel like Becky was. And usually Becky is a shot stopper. She can make some good saves, but she she didn't this game and didn't have a lot to do. So I don't don't know quite what the answer is there. But again, maybe again it's 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 defensive communication and just you know her being unsighted or not expecting or you know thinking that somebody blocked it, it got it away, and it just hadn't got away far enough. I mean, I do think that she could have done better on the Miedemar header. She was close to it, but she could have, it felt like one that she could have, if she'd have just slightly faster gone to it, been able to punch it away. And we did see 
in the last preseason game where she played the first half and Tinny played the second half, Tinny made a couple of really great blocks in that second half. Um, so maybe it is slightly Becky. Maybe, you know, this was the game that Tinny would have done better in. And it, it's strange that we're so badly underperforming our XG against, whereas last season we pretty much were consistent with it or we overperformed so that teams would score fewer goals than they were expected to have scored against us. So that is a, another sign of doing less well, at least in this one game. I guess if you want to try to take something positive out of this game, it's that all four of the goals were things that could be prevented if we were really on top of our defensive game. So with the first goal, you know, there was that poor clearance, which you would assume is not going to keep happening. Uh, the second goal was a gift because of that poor pass um, to Becky and then her failure to pass out. And then, you know, two set piece goals, which we hope that we're going to clean up throughout the season. So I guess in that sense, you can say that we didn't give Arsenal any clear opportunities. That's yeah, how I, I mean, a lot, of goal, a lot of their shots <laughs> off target were pretty good. So that was the other thing is, I mean, we had a lot of blocks. Yeah. And they had a couple of wide and over the top shots that, you know, on another day, maybe they would have scored. Yeah. Um, and I think like one thing that this tells me is like, not that we should keep playing this way and expect it to go better in the future since they so far outperformed their XG. It's more that like, hopefully that this is a lesson to everyone that this is no way to play because even if, if you sit back and defend and allow a bunch of opportunities, I'm using that word specifically rather than shots because not all of them ended up counting as shots in the sets like they're gonna go in and like the fact that only four of them on target and were were the four that went in um was more like to me that said more about how many opportunities we allowed which was many 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 enough to allow four goals to get in so switching to the other end of the field for a bit We've unfortunately picked up something of a running gag now. Um, so in Rachel's season preview over on Spurs Women blog, Sean said that the tactical change she'd most like to see is getting more players in the box. Uh, and that pretty much could not have been more on the nose. Uh, so I wanted to ask you all, how do we how do we do it? How do we get more players in the box um, and ideally players in the box at the same time as the ball? We've just got to be more adventurous. I think we've just got to we've just got to take the game for teams. I mean, as I say, there were times in this game when they were playing the ball between two defenders and the keeper quite high up in their half. And, and we were just stood in our half going, okay, we'll wait, we'll wait till you cross the halfway, halfway line and then we'll engage. That's not a way to, to play a football game. That's if you're, if you're thinking, trying to think of yourself as, as equal to, or becoming equal to that team, that's not how you play. That's, that makes you look like you're scared and that you're just camping inside your own half to, to park the bus. You've got to take those opportunities when they come to, to rush players down. To, you know, to have that kind of aggression, uh, Celine, I think, has shown a little bit of it. And I think in pre-season, we've seen, and we've seen some from Nikki as well. And as, as Rachel said, if we can get those two players playing together, that might deliver some of that. And also, and I think if we can get those two and Jess playing together, we might be onto something. And Jess yeah. was playing pretty far back for most of this match. It, so to me, that really said that the whole team was focused more on defense this game. 
um, cause I'm not used to seeing her, you know, effectively playing as a midfielder, um, and just not making any of her runs because I don't think she expected anyone to be passing to her. I mean, I think if we're going to play as deep as we were playing, then we need to have a really strong plan about how you were going to break, what the outlets are and who's running. It felt like that wasn't there. So like I said earlier, when Jess did have the ball a couple of times or Celine had the ball, there wasn't somebody in front of them who they could look to pass to. And that's got to be just second nature. You've got to know who's going to be there. You've got to expect them so you can start playing that ball into the channels but they also you need the people the sort of defensive midfielders who can play the balls into the channels to give you an incentive to run to speed up that movement and again I mean it's my qualm with the Spurs with three at the back is it feels like we use up so many players in this kind of defensive thing that there just aren't the players left to break so especially when you've got you know I don't know three at the back well this time it was kind of normally four at the back but yeah Jess was sometimes going back to cover and other people were um Celine I saw going back to cover Amy quite a few times uh, and so everything was focused on going backwards and there wasn't it didn't seem like there was a clear plan and obviously then Nikki came on and I was like I'll just hoof it up to her I don't care just get it somewhere on the other side of the pitch but she was mostly being double marked once she came on and because there were so few other players for Arsenal to have to mark they could do that that really marked her out of the game a lot of the time. And so her best chances were on pressing. So I wanted to wrap up this discussion of the game with a question from one of our listeners. The question is, it's only been two WSL games and a poor preseason, but have Spurs gone backwards? Are we back to just trying to keep down the scores against better teams? It looked like that's what we were doing, didn't it, really? I mean, it looked like that was the game plan. And that's the worrying thing. We, you know, after, as I say, after those two games against, well, the games against Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester City last season, where we, in all four, in all, well, in all eight games, we looked better than we had done previously. We got points off some of those teams. Um, even when we didn't get points, we looked better than we had done. Those games were starting to feel like, okay, maybe we are, starting to close the gap to the point where some people were predicting we'd finish third this season. But now looking at how we're playing in those games again, it just absolutely looked like a, let's just concede as few as possible. That seems to be the game plan. Let's Yeah, yeah. I think this was, it was a big wake up call for me because I was still trying to be positive heading into this season. But I think when we saw, you know, the quality of substitutes that Arsenal could bring on. And then you looked at our bench, which was not even a full bench this early in the season. That just feels like a failure of recruitment to me. Also a failure of ambition, because this should have been a season where we could have really tried to kick on and continue climbing up the table. Even even if it was just one more spot getting to fourth, you know, it feels like until Kit and Rhea come back from injury, I kind of feel like we're just going to be coasting because that's that's all we can do I don't know I hate being this negative like it literally hurts me to say these things I think I I think part of it's the way that Rianne's approaching the game I I think I kind of feel like it was just if she'd we because we did input we have brought in better attacking players over the summer we have brought in Celine we have brought in um Ellie we have brought in uh, Nikki you know these players should be able 
to give us more attacking options. But when we're being set up to play so defensively, they just didn't have a chance. And yes, it's the beginning of the season, but you know what that means, that the opposition haven't seen these players play yet. They don't know what to expect. If you take the game to them, you might surprise them a little bit. It's just that lack of ambition from the way Rianne set the game up, which frustrated me. Um, again, I say again, because we know of the vulnerabilities of Zinsberger from the Euros, all of those things, why would we not be more positive? I, I just I just don't understand where Rianne's coming from with that. And I felt like in the Leicester game as well, there wasn't it wasn't as positive as it could have been. Um, we were being overrun in midfield again. You know, uh, I just, yeah, I, I just feel like Rianne needs to change the way she's setting it up because we've got the scope that unless she's seeing something on the training field that makes her think actually these players she's brought in aren't going to be as attacking and aren't going to have the success that we're hoping they are, which I'm really hoping is not the case, then then we need to we need to just be a bit more adventurous and go for it. If, you know, everybody's been, you know, there's a lot of positivity about the recruitment we've had. Um, from from people in the know in the game why are we not being a bit braver it does feel like we just haven't got into a rhythm and some of that is that the teams has been set up in so many different ways but then again the players who've been most consistent are the back three and they're the ones that I find the most frustrating so I don't know if it means that I'm more pessimistic, I always thought that we were going to have to fight for fifth. Um, and now we've seen some of the other teams, that's just clearly the case. It highlights the massive gulf with the top teams. Spurs, though, do need to play differently if they're going to win other games. And having seen how we played in this game makes less sense of the Leicester game. Like I thought maybe we were playing in that way because it was a prelude or you know something that they were going to learn something for this game. But actually, given the number of changes and the completely different patterns and organisation across the two games, clearly it wasn't for that, in which case I don't know why we were playing so negatively against Leicester. Yeah, I think it's going to be a frustrating season. On the other hand, I also feel as a longtime Spurs fan who's you know used to mid-table mediocrity and the mid-table in the WSL actually spans kind of fifth through to eighth, I guess. Maybe this is something that we need to get used to. Yeah, it's interesting because I do, I, in my perception, I don't think this is the way Rianne wants us to be playing. I think the problem is, is that we have lost all but one of our methods of ball progression. And so she puts these players on the fields and we can't progress through midfield like we used to. For some reason, we're not progressing through the Ash Neville side very much. I'm not sure if it's because, like, marking or because, like, Rhea's not there for her to combine with and she usually has attackers that can't combine very well ahead of her. Our target person is injured, so we can't play up top to Rachel like we used to. So that just leaves our ability to progress through the non-Ash Neville side, which is not going to go very well for us. And I think that's why... We're not seeing players combine up top or get the shots off up top because the ball's not even getting there. I think it makes us really easy to play against. And I think it makes us easy to play against in a way that looks intentional on our part, but I'm not sure that it is. I think that it's just that we we are very easy to find out right now. And I'm not sure like if players are injured, like we don't know. Angara, James, and Ismita Ale could have picked up injuries like Nicola and, and not been able to go a full 90. Like I just worry, like the to me, the real 
travesty is our thin squad and the fact that we are being potentially forced into playing in this negative awful way and like even if some of the stuff does get better like a lot of our players might be found out by then as well so it's not going to peak the way that it should peak and I, it just makes me nervous we have got a new player coming back I don't know if it's the start of October or end of October we've got Chi back oh, so we have true. at least got one more option because oh, yeah. she is her ban is going to end and I like I say, I can't remember. I know it was October, but I don't remember if there was a date in October or if it was just, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that she's going to be the dramatic game changer, but it does at least provide an extra option. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, I am somewhat critical of, you know, some of the starting 11 selection choices and the substitute decisions Rianne has made in terms of like timing, but I feel sympathetic to her right now because I think she's a little constrained just by resources Like we know that we're thin in depth on defense right now. We know we're thin in depth in the midfield attacking wise. We have plenty of players, but we've also already seen some early season injuries um, and, you know, return from injuries that are hampering them. So yeah. Any, any players dream on. Well, yeah. And like Ellie Brazil, like, I don't think she's a win now kind of player. You know what I mean? Like she still has a lot of developing to do. I, you know, I feel a little, bad for Rianne that she's she's got tough decisions to make but at the same time a lot of the decisions are being made for her just by you know de facto availability yeah yeah so I don't know if this is good news or bad news but whether we've regressed or not does somewhat depend on the teams around us in the league and how they're doing so I'm just going to give a quick rundown of what else went on in the WSL we saw West Ham lose 2 nothing to Manchester United. We saw Manchester City continue their losing streak against Chelsea. They lost 2 nothing. Leicester lost 2 nothing to Aston Villa. Liverpool, you know, their dream start didn't last for so long, and they lost 3 nothing to Everton. Uh, we also did see Brighton defeat Reading 2-1, which I think we'll talk more about in a minute since we're actually going to play Reading soon. Uh, but thoughts on that? I guess just to say that Man United's continue to look really good. Um, again, some of the same players, but also other players scoring. I think echoing what Abby, you said last time, that maybe we were glad we didn't play them in the first game of the season, <laughs> but they're going to be tough whenever we play them. And Aston Villa definitely look like that. It wasn't a sort of one-trick pony. They came through with a really good game again. That looks like the team that might be competing for sort of best of the rest i think it's interesting isn't it that i mean it did take man united longer this i think i think it was nil nil at half time for man united so it did take them a little bit longer to break down west ham so that's positive news in the sense that you know maybe teams can learn as, as season goes on about mm. how man you play i was hearing some commentary about the the chelsea game and chelsea started really badly in that game city looked stronger but weren't able to um, uh, Bunny Shaw, I think, was looking particularly good um, in the first half, but just wasn't able to to find the nets. And then Chelsea do, did mm-hmm. what Chelsea do. And, you know, just their usual players popping up and scoring goals and finding that way to win, which is how they ha- have been so successful. Um, but Man City, some positive signs there, but still with a slow start to the season. I think with Villa, maybe the opening day of the season is always a bit of a different game and Manchester City clearly weren't uh, on, top of their, on top of their game. And then they played Leicester, who, despite our poor performance, we beat them as well. So they're looking better than they did last season. But I think we're still very early days. 
it's, it's just such a shame that the season starts in such a kind of truncated way because we've only we missed a game obviously and then we've had two league games and we get a Conti Cup game then we get the international break so it's it's so bitty at the beginning of the season it's going to be difficult I did watch some of the uh, the highlights of Reading and Re- Reading and Brighton and Brighton just took them an awfully long time to to score they were shots on goal that they should have scored and they didn't so I think if you can limit Brighton you do better against them um, and Reading struggling again well the only match I got to watch was the uh, Liverpool versus Everton and I think Liverpool were kind of brought back down to earth with that game but also Everton looked much improved so that's a little concerning um, from a Spurs perspective I think a lot of it was you know they have Jess Park on loan from City and she just looks like she's going to be an absolute star um, you know, I was impressed by her when we played city last season. So I was concerned when I saw that she was going to Everton and yeah, they're, they're already getting the the benefits of her aggressive play. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we just re- mentioned Reading briefly, but let's look ahead to next week when we face them in the Conti cup. So Reading have lost both their games in the WSL so far, and they've also lost one of their most important players to a ruptured Achilles in Dean Rose. How do you think that's going to go? How do you think we're going to approach the game? What would you like to see from it? I mean, we need to see a response, obviously, on the back of the Arsenal game. Just seeing the players come out and actually take the game to Reading is my number one priority. And I think just wanting to see our forwards um, getting more involved in the game. And this is a game where Reading is likely to sit deep. Last season, we we had played out a very frustrating nil-nil draw away to them. Part of that was them sitting deep, us you know trying various things, but not getting those people in the box, not getting the goals and the shots away. So I guess this is the game where it's got to be people in the box, where hopefully... You know, the players are available that Rianne can set up in a slightly more adventurous way um, and that we are able to find some space and try new things. I mean, I'd kind of rather we, we came away having lost the game but really taken it to them and and tried new things and tried to be aggressive than we come away with a 1-0 win having, you know, not looked very impressive given that we're Reading are at, given this is the Conti Cup, which in all reality our chances of getting very far in are small, uh, albeit last season we got to the semi-final, but we got a good draw that, you know, last year and who knows what will happen this year. It's the competition really to be trying things out. It's a group stage as well. And the other, the other two teams obviously in the group are championship sides. So sides that we should be expecting to get all three points against. This is the game to kind of take it out and, and just say, right, let's just go for it. Let's try it out. Let's have a go. Let's show the fans, and I'm hoping lots of lots of you listening are going to come and buy tickets for that game because at the moment I think there's not so many um, tickets sold at the Majeski at Majeski Stadium or what used to be called the Majeski Stadium. Do come along to the game. We want to make some noise. We want to get behind the team and try and fire them into a bit more aggression. And the good yeah. news for uh, fans overseas is that our game is actually going to be on the FA Player. Right now, it's showing as the only Conti Cup match that's being featured. So we kind of got lucky there. Really hope we get to watch the team win in style. That would be a great antidote to this last week. 
So I'm going to wrap things up with a few quick fire questions about what to expect going forward. The first one's going to be, um, could I get a score prediction from each of you for Reading? I'm going optimistic and I want to see goals. So 3-1 because they're pushing forward so Reading will score, but I want us to score some goals. I'm going to say 2-0. I'm feeling optimistic, but I also feel like we're still working out some kinks in the offense. So I wouldn't expect it to be too high scoring. Yeah, I think a 2-0 from me as well. I'm hoping we can, you know, Reading haven't been on, on fire in front of goal. They've been struggling. I think we can hold them. Hopefully, I mean, presumably be a tinny that plays since she hasn't had a, a game in, in season yet. I mean, we'd like to see more goals, but I'd be happy with two at this point in time. Yeah, I think I think I'm feeling similarly to that. Um, all right, so let's keep, um, but let's keep the positivity going here. What are you most optimistic about right now? I think I think we've I think there's still a lot of potential. We have I think probably the problems we've got at the moment is we're just not gelling. There's the communication we've talked about and the, the players just not having played together very much. So I think we've still got that possibility of having a really strong team. We just need for things to go our way and for that kind of communication and players going away for the international break after this weekend, that's going to be difficult. But hopefully those who stay behind can have a bit more time working together. Um, you know, we were hoping given we'd had the kind of the, the pre-season tour and things that that would have helped, but it's, it's not quite jelling. But hope. let's hope it's just, we're just a, just a little bit away from everything flowing really well and maybe one or two knocks that we're not being told about relieving themselves over time and and I think you know potential is still there for this team it's just we've got to live up to that potential well and based on the squad that we have I don't think realistically we could get much worse you know I think we're (laughs) we have like a certain baseline level of competence that you know we're we're going to get to soon I agree with you Sean the the positive thing for me um is that we haven't actually put ourselves in any sort of hole yet. Cause I don't think anyone was realistically expecting us to get a result out of Arsenal. So not getting any points is not the end of the world. And it wasn't the prettiest win at Leicester, but we got the three points. So technically I think we're on track for where we would want to be points wise. Would y'all agree? Yeah. yeah. I, I guess oh it just made me think of something, which is not an optimistic thing. So I'll come back to that in a minute, but like, <laughs> The thing that is very frustrating, I think, in terms of growing the Spurs fandom is that our games that get filmed, that get shown on TV, are overwhelmingly like our London derbies against Chelsea and against Arsenal. And so Spurs fans who only marginally follow the women's team and turn on when it's a North London derby or turn on when it's against Chelsea and it's on BBC especially or maybe on Sky – they get to see our worst games. And especially if we're playing in this kind of negative way, I feel like it has this really detrimental effect on building our fandom because, you know, people are like, yeah, I suppose are rubbish. What's the point? You know, and you, we're not showing our best face. We're not showing our most creative space. And it's where even just those little moments of excellence make such a difference because they can hook people and allow people to think there's something to keep going on. Um, and obviously, there were moments I had people who were saying like, oh yeah, Ash is a great player after yesterday, after, sorry, not yesterday, Saturday, but that wasn't enough. And so, sorry, it just made me think about the sort of televised games and the frustrations with the fact that our big games are always also going to be the games that we're likely to do the worst in. Um, it's interesting. On the optimistic side, yeah, sorry, Sean. 
I was just going to say, I think that there's been some talk about that in general because um, the games usually feature, because the only televised games usually are the big teams, it's quite often that you get these big gulfs in in quality between the teams being shown on television. So occasionally you'll get the big team playing each other and it'll be a great game. But the rest of the time you get a big team against one of the other teams and it looks bad. If you were to get more games of the rest of the table playing against mm. each other, rather than them playing against the top of the table. Again, you might have that more take-up of people coming to watch the games because they can see there's more competition between those teams. Whereas when you just show the big teams against the small teams or the smaller teams, it looks like, well, there's this big golf in the women's game and the games aren't very good because it's so one-sided. When that's not always the case, it's only the case when you're playing against the top four side, but they're the only ones that get featured on television, really. But I think we especially suffer from that because it's always considered a big game to play, you know, because it's a North London derby or if it's Spurs mm-hmm. Chelsea. And you can see that in, you know, the WSL attendance figures where, you know, Spurs are now four of the top six attendances ever are Spurs playing somebody else in London. Um, so those are the teams that get those are the games that get eyes and they're also not going to be our best you know if only we were play like Everton we could play in the Merseyside derby and do much better maybe but yeah sorry so my optimism is we don't have to play Arsenal again at the Emirates all season I'm really happy about that <laughs> but yeah I agree with yeah. stuff that Sean and um, Caroline said much more eloquently you know you've done it now, Rachel. We're going to get drawn against Arsenal at the Emirates in the FA Cup. Oh, right? Thanks, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was trying to make this positivity section and look where we ended up. <laughs> We're just not in that uh, headspace this week, oh I don't Oh, my think. gosh. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you know, it, it, sometimes it's just like that. I All mean, right. the positivity is... I mean, one good thing is we have got Reading next. And like, if we were going to select the perfect team to bounce back <laughs> against, it would be Reading. So we have a perfect opportunity to show that we are more than what we were last week. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, um, I think we're going to end it there because, uh, you know, we've been talking for a little bit now. Um And I hope we have better news next week. Signing off, this is Abby. And you can find us on Twitter uh, at our various usual places or at N17 Women. Thank you so much for listening. Mm